0: Sing it out, this is our destiny, the battle's already won, make it loud, we're giving everything by the cross we've overcome. Welcome back to the Home Study Bible Cast. We're currently studying in the letter to the Hebrews. We have reached um, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I'm very excited about this study and about this chapter in particular, and I hope that uh, you're also going to be uh, enjoying the things that we cover. I know that I am. It's just one of my favorite uh, chapters in in this letter, and I'm excited to teach it. So last time we started the Hebrews chapter 11 with um, the verse 1, and we saw what faith was we saw a definition of what faith is we saw a reference to the elders and how they obtained a good report it says in verse 2 and how that uh, this entire letter has been kind of looking back in a way to show us you know what God has done in the past in the lives of people and how he is what his plans are for the future. And the letter to the Hebrews is kind of a junction point between two um, time periods where we uh, saw where we came from and now we also have seen where we're going. But to understand where we're going, we definitely have to sometimes look back and do a kind of a survey of our lives to get an understanding of you know, what God has brought us to through and where he's taken us to. Um, So that's where we are. And we started off by looking at the lives of these elders, starting off with uh, Abel. And if you would ask me to go as far back as I could in the Bible to give an example of a life of faith, I probably would not have started with Abel. But the writer here, knows exactly what he's doing. Abel was a perfect starting point. And we saw the things about his life. And there's a lot about Abel in the few verses that speak about him. And I I hope that we can see that throughout this chapter 11, as we go through kind of the Old Testament and we look back and we move through time, I hope we can see, if nothing else, how much information. What a wealth of knowledge that we have on these people that I dare say we you know, don't talk about much. We don't think about in this light. So it's just a wonderful uh, journey here that we're taking. So we left off at verse five, Hebrews chapter 11, verse five. And I'm going to go ahead and read that um, to start. Uh, If you don't, if you have your Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse five, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation. He had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it's impossible to please God or to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So just a couple of verses this time, but there's a lot of information in these verses, and I really hope that we have enough time to cover all the things that I was able to uncover here. And it's not because, you know, I'm so smart. It's just I just did a diligent study and I don't feel like that I've really scratched the surface of everything that we could learn um, from this verse. But hopefully it'll be enough to inspire you to uh, do the same kind of study on your own. So here we see in verse five, um, it says, and this is the faith chapter. Everyone kind of knows that we're talking about examples of faith. Examples of faith in the lives of people that have um, served God or lived a life that was um, devoted or dedicated to, to God. And we saw with Abel last time that he had a testimony of faith that was attested to by God himself. It says in verse four, God testifying Um, of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh so we saw in that that living a life of faith um, has rewards and the greatest reward that comes from that life of faith is to have God testify on your behalf to have God say that you know, you're a righteous person and that you lived a life that was pleasing to him. That's what we all should be striving for is to hear God say, at the end of our journey, and we all have a journey, it's all, each journey has been mapped out already for each one of us. It's specific to us and um, it's special to us. God has made our journey unique to each individual believer and we have a journey that's ours. There may be some characteristics that are similar. We know that there's some things that we all share in common that are part of this uh, life, this journey, this walk of faith. But there's definitely things that are specific to us, specific things that we must accomplish, that God is going to accomplish in us. It's better for me to say it that way. So we know that um, is a part of this walk, and we should all want to hear at the end of that, walk well done thy good and faithful servant. That should be our objective. Um, so here we have these examples of men and women who have accomplished those things. They God, accomplished in them this faithful walk. And so he's given us these examples so that we can be encouraged to know that if he can accomplish this in the lives of these people, that we're no different, that he's able to accomplish them in our lives because he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So we serve the very same God that these people did. And there's a lot of similarities in our walk and in our um, uh, journey that that we have um, to bring us from, you know, saved saved Christians during the church age to heaven, Because that, that's what we have. We have a heavenly calling. The difference between us and these people is that they had an earthly calling. They had earthly promises. Uh, but ultimately, um, all of us are going to be brought together in Christ. So that's the only difference. The same God purposed in them what he has purposed in you and I, if you're a believer and you have to embrace that. So how do I do that though? That's the big question. How do I live a life in the world that we live in today? How do I live a life that would please God? You know, that's a a valid question. Well, the answer is found in Hebrews chapter 11. And hopefully in one of these examples or in multiple examples, you're gonna see yourself and you'll see how God has worked in your life in a similar fashion so now we we started off with Abel and now we're going to move to Enoch which Enoch to me is a very interesting person I just didn't feel like there was a lot of information in the Bible about Enoch for me to be able to really speak about Enoch Um, there's uh, this passage and there's a couple other uh, passages including in Genesis where he's briefly mentioned and that's kind of it so I thought you know, I don't know a lot about Enoch, just like I didn't know a lot about Abel. And so it's just been a real blessing to, to do this study and to learn these things about Enoch. So it says by faith Enoch. So we know that um, Enoch lived a life of faith. And so now it's going to, the Bible here, the scriptures here is going to tell us what characterized Enoch's life that where you could see that he lived by faith and it just starts off by faith enoch so before we get into the verse let's look and see what i was able to dig up the information i was able to find out about enoch and we're just going to stick to facts now there's going to be some you know supposition on my part but mostly these are just facts and i'm using those facts to draw some conclusions that's just normal logic you You look at all the facts and you're able to draw a few conclusions from those facts. And the things that are facts, I will state as facts. The things that are kind of my uh, conclusions drawn from that, I'll point that out as well. So there's no confusion there. Um, So what are some facts about Enoch? Well, Enoch, we know, was in the godly line. God preserved um, a line of people um, that you know, we know as the godly line, the line that would lead to the Lord Jesus, the line of people, the generations that would lead to the nation Israel. And Enoch was what was part of that line. So it was Adam to Abel, right? There was Cain and Abel, but the, the, the blessing or the godly line didn't go through Cain, it went through Abel. Well, Abel, we know from the last lesson was killed. So the scripture says that God gave Adam and Eve another son by the name of Seth. And through Seth, the godly line continued. And if you look through scripture, it's an interesting study to study this godly line because you'll see several attempts by Satan to stop the godly line. The most notable, I think, is when the Lord Jesus was born and Herod ordered all the children up to a certain age to be killed once he was notified by the wise men that a baby was to be born and that that baby was going to be the king of the Jews so he immediately ordered that um all these children uh be killed but Jesus was saved or preserved by um his family taking him into Egypt so so you can see this event happening over and over again where The nation um, is attacked and several times that the nation Israel has been, uh, there's been a concerted attempt to just destroy them altogether, but God has preserved them. And that's a testament to his power, to his grace, and the same grace is available to you. He's going to preserve you the same way, even though Uh, people may attack you situations may seem overwhelming they can't overwhelm you because god uh if god be for you who can be against you and that's that's been true throughout history so we know enoch was a part of that godly line uh that was preserved by god uh, that would lead eventually to the lord jesus and we also know that enoch's father was jared right and Jared lived to be 962 years. Now, when you look back to this, what's called the antediluvian period, the pre-flood period, there's a lot of things I believe, and I'm I'm making a distinction between what the scripture is saying and what I, my personal uh, kind of uh, conclusions that I draw from it. And I'm making it very clear so no one is confused. But I believe that one of the reasons that but people lived so long back then is because one, uh, sin had not permeated um, the world the same way. Like sure, sin was there, but not on the scale that it is right now. If you compare us to them, um, we have the ability, a man in the age that we're living right now using technology could impregnate it, se- several women all over the world in one night. It's possible, right? That It wasn't possible to do things like that back then. So we have technology that helps us to perpetuate sin and sinful activity. And yeah, technology is great. I mean, I'm using technology right now to record this lesson. So I'm not saying that technology is evil, but I'm saying that we have the capacity to do more evil using technology, right? We have that now. And back then they just didn't have that kind of uh, capacity, uh, technological advancement to be able to do that. So that's one of the reasons I think that sin had not um, had the effect like it has today. And also, you think about it, back then they, they ate, uh, they all had a vegetarian diet. We know that. And so having a vegetarian diet is definitely going to help prolong your life it's a healthier diet, it's more conducive to your your system. Um, there's a lot of things associated with the eating of animals that uh, are negative. You know, there's things that go on inside of an animal's body that's translated to us, and it's just, it's not a, it's not necessarily a good thing. So they, they lived on a plant-based uh, diet. And also another theory that I have is that Um, they had the tree of life, right? The tree of life life was in the garden. Uh, God told Adam and Eve, he kicked them out of the garden and he protected the way because he did not want anybody to eat of the fruit of uh, the tree of life because then they would live forever in sin, which would be a horrible existence. So, um, So he kept them from that. So if there's a tree that existed at that time, that could give you eternal life i i tend to believe there's probably plant life in this kind of prehistoric period that would also have those kind of benefits not necessarily to give you eternal life but definitely uh medicinal benefits to protect you from disease and to just help preserve the function of your body so that's kind of my theory as to why they were able to live so long. Ultimately, it's God's will that they live that long. That's the bottom line. If I mean, I don't have to understand or know the reasons. All I have to do is know that it's true that they lived that long. So Jared was Enoch's father, and he lived to be 962 years. Now Enoch was born to Jared when Jared was age 162. The Bible says so you think about uh, uh, Jared was in the godly line. He would have been uh, very versed in those things that are associated with God and the truths that God uh, wanted man to know. We know that God interacted with man directly. He talked to uh, Abel. He talked to Adam. He talked to Eve. He talked to Cain. So there's no reason for us to uh, believe that he didn't talk to uh, Jared the same way. If Jared was in the godly line, he's only godly because God set him apart to be godly and to, to to make him that. So the way that's done is through interaction with God and knowledge of God. So they had the the traditions that were passed on from one godly man to another, and uh, you also had God substantiating those truths as he would interact in the lives of these people. And, uh, and so I, I tend to believe that Uh, Jared after 162 years of life would have had a very substantial knowledge of God to pass on um, to Enoch but there's something that's uh, very interesting um, that um, Jared told his total life that he lived was 800 years so he had 800 years to minister to Enoch right 800 years to minister to Enoch that's that's a long time to have someone to minister to you someone godly to be able to lead and guide you in the truth um and so Enoch lived 365 years right um 365 years it says he lived. So he lived one year for each day in our modern calendar, 365. That's just, I mean, 900 years, 800, these are all like very difficult uh, for us to even fathom because we just, we don't live very long. We live, we're here a good 70, 80 years and we're gone. So, but, but you have to take in consideration the times they live in and how that would have what kind of effect that would have had on uh, the ministry that they received from their parents. And uh, it just reminds us of how important those of us who are parents, it's so important for us to be available and to minister to our children. Uh, if you don't have any other people to witness to, you have your family, your your children, if you're uh, parents. And it's so important that you don't. Um, Uh, ignore or allow for that special uh, ministry and bond to, to be, um, you know, ignored. Uh, God gave you those children purposely. And there's something that you have that they need that they can't get anywhere else. And we see that Jared uh, was a faithful man to minister to, uh, to Enoch, and it led to Enoch uh, being the man that, that he became. So, um, it says that Enoch walked with God. That was his testimony or the description of him. So we can use that as a fact. We know that Enoch was known as a man who walked with God. Um, that the, the description of walking with God during that time, I think was not the norm. And it, it only takes a cursory study of, um, of Genesis to see that the characteristic of mankind was that they did evil continually. God said that, you know, man only pursued evil continually. So for someone to walk with God, they would stand out. We saw that with Abel, how that, you know, Abel stood out. Abel was a stark contrast to Cain and Abel had a ministry to Cain, a very substantial one one that even led to his death, but he took a stand for God. And I tend to believe that uh, God's interaction with man has been consistent and that these men that he has uh, set aside to be a witness to him, they also took a stand. And Enoch would have been one of those people because he, it says that he walked with God. And that's a stark contrast to uh, what I think was going on during that time, which was Men not walking with God. Uh, men, it says that men were started to take multiple wives. We saw that with Lamech. That's in uh, um, the first part of Genesis, right after the uh, account of Cain. And people, they started taking multiple wives. And men, it says they even started marrying indiscriminately the sons of God with the daughters of men. So you had these sons of God, which is, you know, not some strange mystical beings, uh, the sons of God were the godly line, those people that were set aside by God to be uh, his people and to to uh, perpetuate the godly line. Well, they started to stray away from the truths that were instilled upon them by these godly men like Jared uh, and Enoch. And they started kind of doing whatever they wanted to do, right? And so this he is, hey, you know, these women over here, you know, they look good and no, they don't believe like we believe. And yeah, they're involved with some, some strange things, but you know what? We're going to take them because, you know, that's what we want to do. And that's what men started doing. Every imagination of their heart was evil. And so they, they started marrying indiscriminately. And, you know, we can see a lot of that going on in the age we have today. Um, and God was becoming less of a priority as people's knowledge and skills increased. You know, As people became more uh, technologically advanced, um, they started setting aside the truths of God uh, and, and focusing on those, those advanced skills and the things that they could use to you know, make them wealthy and uh, grow and, and uh, make their lives better, you might say. And that's the same thing we see today. you know we have that same issue with technology where technology tends to take us away from God rather than to bring us closer to him. Um, so uh, Abel's death was definitely attack on the godly line, but Seth, after he was born, his birth was uh, the, the godly line being reestablished. And Ena came from this godly line. So these are we, right now we're talking about the facts about Enoch and, and that, that's a fact. Uh, another fact, Enoch was the father of Methuselah. like many of us know the Methuselah. like before I really knew anything about the Bible, I had heard the term he or she is old as Methuselah. had no idea what that meant, but repeated it because I heard it uh, said to me when I was little. Uh, now of course, I know Methuselah was the uh, son of Enoch. And Methuselah was a very significant person. Um, Enoch was 65 years old when Methuselah was born. And the Bible says that Methuselah's birth marks the beginning of, of Enoch's relationship with God. Now, Jared may have had a witness and a testimony to Enoch, uh, for uh, over 800 years, but it says it wasn't until the birth of Methuselah, Enoch's son that he started to walk with God. I think that's very substantial and something we need to kind of look at uh, a little more closely. Uh, we can only hypothesize why this birth was significant to Enoch. but we do know that there's some facts around Methuselah that will help us to maybe piece together why Methuselah's birth, had such a profound effect on Enoch. And I'd like to believe that God uh, witnessed to Enoch and told him that this child's birth would be uh, significant with the prophecy and the um, kind of end of the age that was to come. And that God told uh, Enoch that this When this child's birth is significant, because when this child's life ends, so will a dispensation, um, uh, a time period, these dispensations that we've talked about, a dispensation is linked to the death of Methuselah. So I think that's that's how God's initiated this uh, witness and this testimony to uh, Enoch and Enoch responded positively to that information because in Methuselah's lifetime God will fulfill the judgment of the antediluvian age. The flood, what and what I mean by that is that the flood did not come until after immediately after the death of Methuselah. So you see, Methuselah's life was very significant because in his lifetime, would mark the end of that age. The flood would come immediately after the death of Methuselah. So I, I tend to believe that Enoch knew that, that God told him that that would happen. And it's just the same thing with our time. You know, we were prophesied during the beginning of the church age that there would be this great apostasy of turning away from the church, turning away from God by the church. And we see that happening. We're living in that right now. And the next big thing that's prospered prophesied is the rapture. So uh, these are two great prophecies of the church age that we're living and being able to be a part of now. And I think it's the same thing with Enoch, that he may have been told that, hey, Methuselah's life would mark the coming of this great judgment, uh, even the flood. Um, So I think that's the significance to why it says that Enoch started walking with God upon the birth of Methuselah. Uh, We also learn in the letter uh, written by Jude, that's another place that we can go. All the information I've shared with you so far has been from Genesis, but uh, we also have a reference in the letter of Jude about Enoch, and it says that Enoch was a preacher who prophesied to the people of his age. So Enoch was not just a man that was godly, that had a godly testimony, that people associated with God. Uh, Enoch... Was not just a quiet man that lived his life, and people were like, "Oh yeah, he's a godly man." No, Enoch went around prophesying and preaching about things to come, and I think that it's safe to say that um, not only did God tell him about, you know, the significance of Methuselah's life, but also other prophecies that were were to come. Like I believe that. Uh, that Enoch was looking forward to the coming of Christ. And we can see that um, from the letter of Jude and the things that he prophesied about that he, he saw far beyond uh, Methuselah's life and well into uh, facts that are revealed to us in the book of Revelation. Like he, he prophesied about these things way back before the flood. So none of this stuff is new. You know, there's a lot of information that we think that we have figured out from the study of Daniel and other uh, apocryphal books that we've pieced together. They were like, OK, now we understand we have this knowledge. And in Daniel, it says that knowledge will increase during the latter days. But there was a lot of knowledge that, that they had back then because God has always shared this with mankind. It's just that man um, tends to ignore these truths or take these truths for granted. So let's not be uh, like that. So uh, it says, so we know that Jude from Jude, that Enoch was a preacher who prophesied to the people of his age. And he was known by these facts. He was the father of Methuselah. We know that he walked with God. We know he preached and prophesied of things to come. So these are the facts that we're able to draw uh, about Enoch. Enoch knew the program of God uh, as, as it was told to him directly from the source. As God revealed these things, as Enoch prioritized God and his teaching, we know that Enoch made it a priority uh, to prioritize the word of God. And he became known as a man who walked with God at the end of the day it's very easy to come to the conclusion that Enoch loved the word of God bottom line he loved the word of God Enoch became associated with the word of God so much so that people identified him as the one who walked with God so his very his his journey his walk his life was associated with God because of his love for the word his testimony you know, his way of life, his, the, the, his proclaiming of the truth and the things that were to come made it evident to everyone around him that he was one who walked with God. These are facts. Enoch is a testimony and an evidence of faith. Uh, faith produces action. If you don't get anything else from all that I've said so far, faith produces action. You cannot say, that I have faith and have no actions to support it. Faith produces action. And those actions are actions of faith that testify and witness to to who God is and glorifies God. That's what faith does. That's the only thing faith is able to do. And that's the purpose of faith. Uh, The faith in Enoch's life is seen in how he reflected the righteousness of God because that's what he did. His walk was a reflection of God's righteousness. Uh, no one questioned the faith of Enoch. You know, Enoch's life was a faith walk. Enoch had a progression, a daily progression in a direction that made him a stranger to the earth and a citizen of paradise. So that's, that's kind of the, what happened. He, he became less and less like the world and the people that he was around and more and more like God and the things associated with God. So um, that is uh, the key to understanding kind of what it was that led to Enoch's being associated with uh, the facts of, that I just stated. And the chief fact being that he, he walked with God. And just so that there's no confusion, uh, I've quoted a lot of things from uh, Genesis and it's just, you know, a lot of these things I feel should be common knowledge. If they're not, then you can uh, go back to starting chapter four and read on and you'll you'll see that all the things that I've shared with you about Enoch are are recorded there and also in the uh, epistle of Jude just so that there's no uh, misunderstanding as to where I'm drawing this uh, knowledge from. Um, Let's see here. In verse 14, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. So that is a direct correlation to the prophecy that's given in the book of Revelation that when the Lord returns during his second advent that he's going to come with his saints. And uh, so that's a direct reference. So Enoch was aware of the program of God, the whole program of God, uh, even though he may not have understood the first coming versus the second coming, we know that, but there was definitely a knowledge of God's program and his second coming and how that he would come with all his saints. And and Enoch was known to be one who prophesied and ministered to these truths. And this. so that goes to tell you that people pre-flood, they, they were witness to just like people are today. And they totally disregarded what it was that was being uh, said. They recognized the the fact that Enoch was a godly man, but they really didn't take what he was saying very seriously. And the consequence of that is that they were destroyed in the flood. So those are the facts that we know that I, were, that I was able to kind of pick up about Enoch. And hopefully there's something in those facts that maybe you didn't know that sparks some research and study on, on your uh, part. And if that's the case, praise the Lord for that. So it says by faith, Enoch uh, was translated. So back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated. So to be translated means to be taken from one thing or one place or one state to another. Uh, The example that I've heard used is like translating uh, a language from, you know, uh, Spanish to English. It's the same words, but you're translating them into a different form. Uh, that, that it's the same, but it's being translated so that it could be understand or seen in a different way. So you take it from one thing or place to another state. And so that's what happened with Enoch. He was translated. He was taken from the state of being a man that walked the earth uh, to a man that uh, was translated to a different state uh, with God from Whereas God is not of the earth, God is heavenly, God is righteous, God is eternal. He was taken from being a man who is not eternal, who has a normal body just like us, and then he was given an eternal body to be able to exist in a state with God. Um, And what is this? It's a picture of the rapture, it's a type or a picture of the rapture. Uh, that's, what's going to happen when the rapture comes, the people who are still on earth, when the Lord does appear, he, they're going to be transformed in an instant and they're going to be given these eternal bodies and they're not going to see death. You know, they will be translated from where we are now, uh, and how we are now to our eternal state. And, uh, uh, Enoch is famous for being the very first person to ever and the only person to be raptured. And so Enoch is kind of a type of the rapture of the church. So you see how that God knows the end from the beginning, how that this is all worked out. He's not up there trying to figure out what to do next. He's had all of this, every detail that of our lives has already been purposed. And he has a plan and a purpose for you and for me. And so you can go through your life boldly, confidently knowing that regardless of what happened, nothing is going to come to you or can come to you that's not filtered through his will, his purpose, and his love. If you could just learn that, it would, it would make you to be able to enjoy that, that rest right? That, that that Sabbath rest that we learned about in Hebrews, that peace that, that uh, surpasses all understanding of knowing that uh, God loves you and that he has this for you and that it's for your good. So that's something that Enoch was able to experience. Uh, we see the transformation of the body because Enoch, uh, his body could not be transformed from uh, he couldn't go to be with God in the body that we have, so his body had to be transformed. And we also also see death being a non-issue to the believer. That's all of those things are seen in Enoch, in that he never did die. He never tasted death. As they say, he he went from this life to the next. And uh, what a blessing for those who uh, God has purpose to rapture. It may be us. You know, the rapture could occur at any time. That's the next prophesied event. Even while I'm recording this, we could be raptured. Um, keep that in mind and it will cause you to live your life in a way that if the rapture occurred, you would be prepared and you would love his appearing. There's a crown for that, for those who love his appearing. And so, um, you know, that should be our daily focus. When we wake up, and we start our day, we should be thinking, this might be the day he may come for us today. And it should make us excited. And we'd live in a way like Enoch did. We would be faithful to do those things that would associate us with God. Um, so we, all, we see that here that Enoch was translated so that he wouldn't see death. Uh, death is to most people, kind of the great equalizer. Um, The rich and the poor both die. Uh, Death is the power of Satan to control the unsaved. I'm going to repeat that. Death is the power of Satan to control the unsaved. The fear of death causes people to do strange things. Okay? And Satan is able to To manipulate people because they can't see beyond this life. So they'll do strange things. They'll prioritize the things of this world, the things of this life. Uh, They will seek to please the people of this world and they leave God out because um, they're afraid of death and they are unbelievers. So Uh, I've seen that, we've seen that uh, many times, and it's getting to be more and more evident. Believers, on the other hand, have no reason to fear death. That is the great victory that we have in common with Enoch here, is that in Christ, death has been made a non-issue, right? Death no longer hangs over our head we we don't have to fear death because god has taken away the sting of death right in that he has placed the father has placed us in christ so we're safe you know for us it's like going to sleep that's what it says people those in in uh, um, in the scripture it says that uh the people those christians who have died in christ they're they're asleep they're asleep in that when the rapture comes, they're going to be married. Uh, their spirit is going to be married with their uh, body. Is Everybody's going to be called up. And the, their spirit and their body are going to be married together. And they're going to have an eternal body and forever be with the Lord. So there's no sting of death for us because of the Lord Jesus. Uh, he died for us. Now we can live without fear. We don't have to be afraid of death. We can face life knowing that whatever comes our way, it comes through him. It's filtered through his love. So we can walk in a way that's bold, that uh, testifies to our faith and trust in him. Paul said, <clears throat> for me to die is gain because he understood that, you know, the greatest blessing that could come to us is for us to die. Because we, then we go get to be with the Lord. I guess even greater blessing would be the rapture because then you don't even have to die. You don't have to experience death and you can go be with the Lord forever. So Paul understood this. Paul understood the great blessings that awaited him beyond death because Paul was stoned to death at Lystra and he actually went to heaven. He even talks about uh, what it was like to, to go to heaven. <clears throat> so... Um, we have this uh, ahead of us. Uh, The letter to the Hebrews has explained in great detail how that Jesus is our great high priest and how that he secured our heavenly blessings and place. He says, I go to make a place for you. That's what he says. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That was his promise. And that's what he's done. He's prepared a place for us And that place is in New Jerusalem. And that's where the church will uh, spend eternity. And the blessings that await us there are beyond my ability to describe. You know, I'll just tell you, I have limits. And I can read what the word says and I can understand it. But to be able to put it in words is beyond me. But that's where I, you know, trust God the Holy Spirit to make you to see the wonder and the blessing of the things that await us. Enoch was an example of this. He walked with God and he was translated, just like those who are going to be raptured. Enoch was a type and the evidence of this blessing. Now in Abel, we saw the faithful ministry of uh, Abel to Cain, how he took a stand and he ministered to his brother. Abel took a stand against sin and in love proclaimed the righteousness of God in his actions and in his ministry to Cain. Abel died as a result and his blood cried out in righteousness as it was shed uh, in his stand for God. This was a clear foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ in his coming. And uh, how that he was the second Adam and uh, and how he tip, it was typified by um, what we saw in the life of Abel. You know, you can see a lot of parallels between the life of Abel and his ministry to his brother and Jesus and his ministry to his brethren. We can see those very clearly. Uh, Jesus who would come to his brethren and be killed for the sake of the truth. And his righteous blood speaks into eternity. You know, we know that. That's what the book of Hebrews is talking about. Now we see Enoch. That's what it says. By faith, Enoch. Now we're looking at his life. Let's see what his life manifested. Enoch bore the image of the earthy, right? He then bore the image of the heavenly. And... That's that's how it is for um, everyone who is heavenly. Uh, this the whole letter of Hebrews is directed to a heavenly calling, and we start off earthy. We're born men and women. We are reborn in Christ, heavenly, where we have a citizenship now in heaven. And that's the transition that's typo- that's being described in detail in, the, in Hebrews. How did that happen? What are the details that support that fact? And now we're seeing in Enoch, that typified in the life of a person. He came in earthly. He was translated into heaven. Jesus has done the same thing for us. He has taken those of us who were born in sin and opened up the way to translate us from this earthly life to a citizenship in heaven. That's our daily progression. That's our faith walk. That's what it's accomplishing in us. It's making us into the heavenly beings that we will be forever. That's God's purpose in us, and he will fulfill that purpose. 1 um, Corinthians fifteen fifty lays this out very clearly. Uh, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom or the realm or dimension of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all, but we shall all be changed. Okay. That's the the fact. That's what happened to Enoch. That is what will occur to those who are caught up in the rapture. And in the meantime, we see that we have this same uh, miracle, you might say, that's working in us through Christ as he takes us from being earthy, associated with this world, and transforms us, uh, transforms us through the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, the study of his word, our progressive walk and growth and maturation, we become heavenly, right? And those things that are associated with heaven become precious to us. And they become more and more familiar as we progress to the point to where we're ready to live and exist in this heavenly uh, state. And God is accomplishing that in us through uh, our sanctification, through our progressive walk and understanding and study of the word. This is a walk of faith. That's the purpose that God has for us. So it says that... um, Enoch was translated uh, that he should not see death and was not found. Okay. This means that they they did a thorough search for Enoch. Uh, It's not that Enoch just disappeared and people were like, what happened to Enoch? There is a thorough search that went into finding Enoch and it says that he was not found. Okay, that's the result of that search. So it's not that he just disappeared. He wasn't a missing person. And they're like, we don't know. Uh, maybe he went to another part of uh, the world, to another city. No, he. there was a thorough search and he was not found. Why was he not found? It says because God translated him. So the fact that God translated him makes me to tend to believe that God revealed this to the people during and after the search was made. This is not a conclusion that the people came to on their own. Uh, God made it known that, you know, Enoch was taken away, that he was, he took him to be with him. And this is something that everybody understood. Um, Before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. And uh, that's something that that we see uh, in the next part of the verse. This is because God had translated him. For before his translation, he he had this testimony. This was the testimony that Enoch had, that he pleased God. So I can't imagine any goal that you could have in your life that that could be higher or more important than this. This should be, like I stated at the beginning, the goal and the purpose of each one of us is to please God. And the only way you can do that is through faith. You cannot live a life apart from faith and please God. Those two things just don't go together. But living a life of faith, simply believing The word of god and living your life in the light of it is all it takes to please god to me this is the most significant fact about the amazing life of enoch in a world where men were doing as they pleased the sons of god or the godly remnant began to be pleasers of themselves you know they weren't concerned about pleasing god they were concerned about pleasing themselves and they began to integrate into the world by way of these daughters of men. Uh, Enoch, in contrast to the the norm, okay, the direction that the world was going, he went another way. He went the direction of faith, and in contrast to these other people, he pleased God. Enoch sought the things of God. Enoch considered the things, and pursuits of this world as dung compared to the riches of a walk with God. Okay. That's the bottom line. That's the place that we need to come to. That's the realization in our lives that we need to come to that we're, we're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven. And so our pursuits, our goals, our wants and desires need to be aligned with those things that are heavenly. And there is nothing more heavenly that we know of than the Lord Jesus himself. So for us to be pleasing to God means to walk in a way that reflects the righteousness that we see in Christ. And the easiest way to do that, the best place to start is in his word. And God, the Holy Spirit takes the word and convicts, convicts us of righteousness and truth. So it's important for us to study the word and to uh, live this life. So, you know, how about us? How about me? How about you? What relationships, what pursuits, what objectives uh, do we put before God? That's the question that we have to ask because I know it happens. It happens for me. It's going to happen for you. That's the the struggle. That's the old man, the old nature warring against the new nature. Uh, but that war is one that can easily be won by the new nature if we just keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. That's what makes it difficult. You know, we say, "Oh, it's so hard. It's a struggle. It is a struggle." But the struggle comes from the fact that we take our eyes off the Lord Jesus and we stop looking to him for our example. And then we only have the example of the world left to uh, to follow after. So it's very important that we keep our eyes on the Lord. If we're not seeking God first and foremost in our lives, then we're not pleasing God. It's just that simple. And worse than that, we're not testifying to anyone of a life of faith. Um, Those are just facts, you know, bottom line facts that we have to face. Um, In verse six, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So this is kind of to sum it up. Do you want to have a testimony and a ministry to please God? A life like Enoch that so pleased God that he so became uh, like God and walked like God that God said, I want you to come be with me. Okay, you're more like me than you are like the world that you live in and the people you live in. So you come live with me. That should be our objective. How do we do that? Well, It's going to be by faith because without faith here, it says it's impossible to accomplish. It's just not possible. It's not something that we can accomplish, but we have faith. God has given us faith uh, as part of our salvation. That's the free gift that he gives us. So we have it. It's not like, it's not that we don't have it. We have God, the Holy spirit. Are we walking in a way to in the spirit? Are we feeding ourselves with spiritual food and strengthening ourselves and aligning ourselves so much with the word of God, with his righteousness, with his truth, that people only see God in us and in our walk. Once we accomplish that, then we'll be on the path that Enoch was on, the path of righteousness, the path that pleases God, a path of belief. Because it says, it's impossible to please God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now, that's not the kind of belief that, oh, I believe God exists because it says even demons believe that. This is the kind of belief that believes that God has a blessing for those who obey him. That your obedience, your commitment is to him and his leading and his guidance and believing that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think we have to look at this very carefully. When you or I walk in faith, you or myself, anybody who's a believer walks in faith, we have a testimony of belief that other people see even if we don't see it. Uh, It's not that Enoch said, that it's not anything that Enoch said that, that marked him out uh, as one who walked with God, but it's how he lived his life. The preaching of Enoch would have been powerless without the walk of Enoch. Very important to see that. That his proclamation of things to come, well, that's powerless without that testimony or that walk to go with it. First, they associated him with God. Then they listened to what it was he had to say. That's how that works. Enoch's walk was evidence of his belief. And the power of this was, I believe, his love of God. That gave him the power. The power in his walk was the love that he had for God. And the way that that love was manifested through him, through his life, and how other people saw that. And Enoch pointed back to to God he always, when people said, Enoch, you know, you really are a good guy. He, he said, no, I'm not a good guy. That's God in me. That's what you're seeing is the work that God is doing in me, making me into that, 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 you're, that witness and that testimony. And he point, always pointed it back to God to the point to where God was like, yeah, you're more like me than you are like the people of this world. Enoch loved God and it was clear because of the place and the priority that he gave to God in his life. I think that's what we need to take from this, if nothing else. Enoch so loved God and grew in that love and that grace that God took him. Enoch so pleased God. So this I heard this uh, put I heard it put this one way that I think was really good. Um, there's a story about the little girl who went to church and uh, the mom said, well, what did you learn in church today? The little girl said, well, we learned about Enoch. And the mom, she's a good mother. So she says, well, tell me about Enoch. What did you learn? She said, well, Enoch walked with God. And so uh, the mom, well, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that uh, every day God would come and he would have to take a walk with Enoch and they would talk and, They'd spend time together and then, you know, it'd get late. And so then Enoch would say, okay, it's time for me to go home. I'll see you tomorrow. Then the next day he did the same thing. And again and again. And each time they walked together, they go a little further each time. And it got to the point that Enoch had walked so far with God at one point. God said, well, Enoch, I know it's late, but you're closer to my home than yours. So you come on and go with me. And that just really sums up to me what a walk of faith is with God. It's that you get so far down the road with God and you're, you develop that intimate relationship and that closeness with him to the point that, it's, yeah, it's time for you to come home and be with me. That's the purpose that God has for each one of us uh, who are believers. And it says that we have to believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And how do you diligently seek God? Well, you do that through the study of his word. Uh, Enoch is proof that God rewards those who diligently seek him. The study of the word is work. But for me, it's uh, so full of treasures and blessings and rewards uh, to me in my life that it's more than worth it. And I know that you've also found that to be true or you wouldn't be listening right now. God rewards faith now and in the future. The progress of faith is a walk that helps us stand when we need to stand and a stand that is seen in our walk. I'm gonna repeat that. The progress of faith is a walk that helps us to stand when we need to stand and a stand that is seen in our walk. The greatest reward to a life of faith is to please God. Uh, I see so much in my life of seeking my own pleasure, the things that that I want, um, that the thought of being able to please God in Christ is very exciting to me. And it's a joy uh, when it happens that I can't express in words. And so, you know, I want to be like Enoch in pleasing God and I want to walk with him that way because there's blessing associated with it. Only by his grace can I believe. Uh, Only by his power can I walk and make a stand. And only by his spirit can I please him. It's just that simple. Uh, Let's all of us be like Enoch and walk with God every minute. Uh, He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of our devotion. He's proven that and his great sacrifice on our behalf to deliver and redeem us. So let's walk in a way that reflects our love and our appreciation for his grace. You know, the, his reward is his presence in our life. That's the reward that we need to be seeking is his presence in our life. Anything beyond that is just extra. Uh, let's close. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the letter to the Hebrews and thank you for Enoch. Thank you for all that you did in his life and the testimony, uh, the witness and the ministry of uh, Jared and uh, how that Enoch must have witnessed and ministered to Methuselah and how that continued all the way down to Noah and the, the great witness and testimony that these men had to the age that they lived in May you make us to also have a witness and a testimony that's pleasing to you. And uh, we look forward to the day when we hear, by your grace, well done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.